How can you achieve and maintain business growth? Harvard Business School Executive Education is now accepting applications for a new program, Driving Profitable Growth. Taking place in Boston from October 25th through the 28th, this program focuses on business expansion and organizational growth strategies that can lead your company into the future. Learn more about this three-day program for senior leaders by visiting hbs.me slash growth. That's hbs.me slash growth. You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On. Say it with me, everybody. Boat races. Uh, <laughs> this is coming after the Bucks beat the Raptors 104-77 in Game 3. More seriously, though, this is Locked On Bucks. I'm Eric Name, as always. Uh, the laughing you just heard and the voice you're about to hear is Frank Madden. Frank, how are you? I mean, how can I not be? How can I be anything less than over the moon after <laughs> watching the Bucks put together, I don't know, the, the most comprehensive. Uh, I, I don't know. I'm like, when you combine the stage, the opponent, I realize the Raptors have obviously had a lot of questions the last, the last week uh, during the playoff. But, I mean, the Bucks are just winning these games. And, and the Bucks are just taking it to the Toronto Raptors. And... You can't take anything away from the Bucks. We can we can talk about the Raptors not playing well. We can talk about the Raptors disappointing all we want, but the Bucks are just going out and and tonight they just whipped them. I mean that that's all, all it was. And you know, I, I, every game I mentioned, you know, every game has been sort of a different challenge. I think from a psychological perspective, and to come out knowing that the Bucks we're going to face some pressure. I mean, they, they, they had pressure on them to win this game after seizing home court advantage, after having a chance to win game two and letting the Raptors off the hook a little bit with a couple of late misses. And you could not have asked for a better response. You couldn't have asked for a better crowd. Um, I don't know what, what was it like in the BC tonight? I mean, it, watching on TV, I'm, I'm, I'm flying tomorrow to Milwaukee for the game on Saturday, but it, it was almost like an out-of-body experience watching it on TV just because it just felt too easy. But I'm sure in the building it was incredible. Uh, the first quarter was amazing. And like, like I don't even know how many people tweeted it. Uh, it was a madhouse. Uh, the crowd was blood bloodthirsty, I think, uh, was one Rob Mahoney used. Um, that that would describe Milwaukee Bucks fans in in the first quarter. And this doesn't take anything away from Bucks fans, but I'm very much of the belief that it's very difficult to be loud when you're boat racing a team. Like you just, you can't be as involved. And I feel like you get a couple extra decibels when it's a close game, it's going back and forth and you feel like this is really helping your team. But man, when the bucks are up, I don't even know what it ended up being 47 to 14 or something like that in the second quarter. It's just like, Whoa, they keep making shots. This is really cool. But like that, the noise maybe isn't there. So I tweeted out like, man, the, the BC is going to be crazy on Saturday because it's going to be a close game. And then we'll kind of like really feel the full, the full volume. And I, I, for four quarters, it'll be close. And someone was like, you know what? I don't really care to find out uh, if they want to blow the Raptors out by 40 again, th- that would be cool with me. And I was like, yeah, that's, that's a very valid point. Uh, but yeah, the, intros and then just kind of those opening sequences with with Chris hitting a bunch of shots to start and 
Yeah, it it was wild in there. And then, I mean, the Giannis block in the third quarter that somehow hits his elbow first and then uh, his hand, like, come on. that was Again, it's tougher to get up when your team's already up 30, but that – that was a that was a moment. Uh, that was just a, a, an insane play that really only you know, only Giannis could make, and um, it, it was just kind of like you said. I, I'm excited for you to get to experience it on Saturday because it was it was wild, and it is going to be rocking on Saturday as well. Yeah, I'm I'm almost nervous now because it's it's sort of one of those things, right? It's like, oh God, Bucks, did you use all of your amazingness out on? You know, did you use it all up in in Game Three? Um, but yeah, and, and again, uh, you know, I mentioned sort of each of these games has offered sort of a different test for the Bucks from sort of a psychological perspective. How do they react? How do the Raptors react? Um, but but you do wonder. I mean, watching the the press conference with Demar Derozan and Kyle Lowry, you you do wonder if you know the the first game was a shell shock to the Raptors. The second game was a in its own way still reality check. You know, it was not a well, we got this type win for the Raptors. It was a whoa, we almost went down 0-2 and these guys are for real type game. And game three was just, you know, whatever the Raptors thought they were getting into, they were not ready for it. And and they've now seen the Bucks three times here over the past week. And, you know, with the exception of like a few good spells in, in game two, and every time they had a run, the Bucks answered in that game. Um they they don't really look like they have answers for what the Bucks are throwing at them defensively in particular, and obviously offensively they're also struggling to really hold the Bucks down. Um, so I, I don't know. I mean, this is this is one of those games where I think for a lot of us, the odds, I think the odds shift to the Bucks' favor simply because at some point, you know, the Bucks keep when when you're the best team three games in a row and two of the games have been on the road, you know, at some point you kind of start to think, okay. You know the the records during the regular season are what they are, but right now the Milwaukee Bucks are a better basketball team than the Toronto Raptors, and um, you know I think a lot of us have been sort of like you know kind of like thinking, okay, at some point the Raptors are going to like show that they're good, right? But again, it's a seven game series; three games are now at the window, and um, the the Raptors are are not looking like a team that is you know mentally physically <laughs> ready to to kind of get to to where we expected them to be and the bucks obviously are playing now with all the confidence in the world so um i'm excited for saturday i think it's going to be another great test because again the bucks now i mean this is uh, they can take a commanding lead here uh if they win on saturday if they win on saturday they can afford to lose on the road and still go back home and have a chance to take this series in game six which um you know certainly we we didn't think the Bucks would be in a position to do, um, and it's still a lot of work to get there. But certainly, all the tea leaves right now are are trending in the Bucks' favor, and you don't want to jinx anything because at some point they're not going to play as well as they have. I think. Um, <laughs> but you know, who are we to say, right? I mean, this this team is it just looks completely locked in, and um, you know, Middleton was. You, know, you mentioned Middleton. I thought. His steadiness and the, the calmness of Middleton hitting some shots early, I think, was so cr- so crucial because it really, you know, you, you kind of worry when a team is so amped up to start the game. And I mean, the first two possessions were really rough. Like Giannis yeah. has a turnover, Chris falls over, and and honestly, it was probably a, a bit of a blessing in disguise that Chris fell over so that the Bucks could take that timeout. And again, you don't want to waste one that early, especially just to keep possession, but. 
I, I think it did kind of like settle them and remind them like, hey, this is, this is just the game of basketball. Like you've done this a million times. Like you can compete with this team. Doesn't matter that this is at home. Um, it, I, we, strangely enough, though it was very concerning to start the game that both Chris and Giannis were that sloppy. Like it seemed like that te- like timeout really settled them in. Yeah, and post game, I know you were you were trying to get Jason Kidd to acknowledge that this was maybe the best defensive performance that uh, that certainly this team this season's team has had. Um, and maybe any Bucks team has had yeah. uh, under under him, um, and he didn't seem to want to take the bait. <laughs> but um, you know, this this is kind of one of those things. You know, a couple of years ago when the Bucks ranked so highly in in the league rankings defensively, you know, we talked a lot about the Bucks playing on a string and and you know everybody just seeming to to be on the same page and how important that is to what the Bucks you know schematically try to do. And and when you are so locked in like that. Um, you know, this defense can work to, to devastating effect. And um, I think tonight, you know, it, it's just amazing. It just seemed like every time the, the the Raptors, you know, thought they might have seen a little daylight or they tried to put the Bucks, you know, into, in, a, in a pick and roll or whatever it might be, that next Bucks defender was there and they were, you know, positioned in a way that you know it just seemed like every bucks defender was guarding two guys or you know like <laughs> like they were just in that right spot where they they made the raptors think about it and um i think the raptors ended up with 11 assist 11 assists tonight i mean they shot yeah. extremely poorly um but pretty much everything bad the raptors offense and grinding to a halt and um you know not all that was was uh you know on full display tonight and you know similar more similar to game one than anything and um you know this this is what you know when the bucks are bad it looks like those help defenders are stranded and they're defending nobody and tonight they you know it just looked like there were bucks everywhere you know it looked like there were six bucks on the court at times and again you know you you kind of sit there and think man you know if only this kind of effort had been there on a friday night and february against the lakers right or whenever <laughs> whenever whenever that game was um oh. because you know if you could somehow psychologically psych yourself up to bring this kind of effort all the time the bucks would be pretty damn awesome probably but yeah. um I, I don't know i mean it, it's a kind of an interesting thing about human nature right that that in such a big game there just there is seemingly that extra gear that a team can reach especially a young team like this which has so much athletic ability and um you know especially with that starting group and again you know i mean there's such a long list of guys who played well for this team tonight um you know all of them, but uh, I don't know. I mean, who, who else kind of jumped out at you uh, other than obviously Chris Middleton? Uh, and I'm sure we'll talk more about Giannis, who you know maybe wasn't wasn't like peak Giannis or anything tonight, but just under control, doing his thing. Giannis was again, you know, so difficult to handle and and forced the probably probably opened up a lot for his teammates just because the Raptors have to pay so much attention to him. It was something that I had written today at ESPN Milwaukee that I had written. In game two, it looked like the Raptors kind of, I shouldn't say came to the realization. They knew that they needed to do it, but in in game two, to me, it seemed like they just figured out so many things that defensively, okay, we really need to commit to putting a wall up against Giannis, and it needs to be three or four defenders, and we need to just understand that that's how it has to be against him. And... I think the obvious counter was going to be, okay, well, you're just going to leave all these guys wide open. And we talked about the other night, but 13 and a half wide open threes for the Bucks in the first two games. I 
I don't think the NBA.com stats numbers are out yet, but I wouldn't be shocked if there was just as many uh, tonight because, like you, like you said, Giannis just kind of does his thing and knows that, all right, they're going to come into me and they're going to set up a wall and they're going to give me three or four defenders in my face and I just got to make the simple pass. And then one or two passes later, all of a sudden open three and all of a sudden the Bucks shoot over 50% from three for, is that, have they done it all three games? Um, I'm trying to think what the numbers were. They're either right above 50% or right below 50% from three in, in all these games. And I, I think it speaks to kind of what, what they're doing and how good Giannis has been. But the thing that kind of got me tonight was the Bucks were going to put DeMar DeRozan through every single screen. Every screen they could put him through for 24 seconds, that's what they were going to do. And in the first quarter, I, I mean, it was what? Just that, that, I don't even know what, it, it's just a neat little curl cut at the elbow for Middleton. And Giannis would be handling the ball. They'd send DeRozan through a couple of screens, and then all of a sudden that neat little curl cut, and Middleton's open at the elbow, a place that he just loves, and he's willing to live there, and he was just hitting shots, and then all of a sudden he hits a three, he's hitting a three, and they're just rolling because they get Chris rolling, but at the same time they're making DeMar DeRozan defend. And uh, to me it was just kind of cool to see that offensively, one, I'm not sure the Raptors have any answers because what's what's your counter now? We're not going to leave these guys wide open from three and let Giannis try to score 40 because uh, I don't think they have anyone that can defend him, so that seems like something he could do. Um, like there's, I just don't know where, where their counter is um, other than trying to execute that plan better and hoping that you close out on three-point shooters better and bring that bring that number down, but offensively there doesn't really seem to be any options and defensively um for the bucks at least offensively for the raptors i just can't comprehend how game one you struggle with the blitzes you struggle with what other people are calling the traps whatever you're struggling with the bucks very aggressive defense and it's because you're holding the ball too much you're pounding the ball you're not getting it to that outlet you're not moving the ball you're not bringing the trapper in and then letting the bucks play at a disadvantage you're you're getting it out of your hands quickly. And that was the adjustment in game two. And then it just looked like they totally forgot game two happened and went back to what they were doing in game one. And uh, I tweeted something about it. I think it was a third quarter possession. DeMar DeRozan brings it up on the left side. And he's got the ball in his right hand. They set a ball screen for him with, I think, Snell and whoever Middleton was covering. And the Bucks switch it because... That's something that the Bucks do regularly, that one through four, they're going to switch. Okay, so they switch him on to Middleton. Then DeRozan keeps the ball in his hands, decides, okay, I'm going to go to my right again on this pick and roll, and Giannis switches onto him. And then he's, by this point, over on the lane line extended on the right side of the floor, and he says, yeah, you know what, let's try one more. They set another ball screen for him, and I can't remember if it was Delia or Brogdon, but it was the point guard, and okay, one through four, Bucks switch. They switch onto him again. So at this point, we've moved from the left wing, and DeRozan's dribbled the ball all the way across to the right side. Now he's on the right wing, and he decides to go baseline. And, oh, what's waiting for him when he goes baseline? Thon freaking Maker. 
Um, <laughs> and he, he misses the lay-in. I think he ends up getting a shot off, but it was well contested. Thon does a nice job going vertical. Bucks end the possession. And you see a possession of, I don't know, 10 seconds of consecutive dribbling by DeMar DeRozan. Four switches, or just wait, one, two, three. So three switches from the Bucks that include all their players, one through four. And then you finally think you've done something good. You find a mismatch you like. You find the baseline. And waiting for you on the backside is, what's his wingspan? All eight feet of Don Maker, whatever it may be. He's waiting for you, just hanging out on the backside. And if you're not going to move the ball, you can't. The this defense is just too good. The arms are too long. There's too much athleticism. And like I said, like that possession just stood out to me because it just seemed like they hadn't learned anything from their successes in game two. Like, like there was never possessions in game two where they were doing good things where DeRozan dribbled it for 15 seconds. That wasn't how they beat people. It was moving the ball and doing something else. So I, I don't know if I really just don't – I just can't comprehend why they would go back to that because before the game when you're talking to Dwayne Casey, he said, yeah, that's the big thing. We got to get the ball out of those those traps and those blitzes early and we got to move the ball. And they just didn't do it. And I just can't comprehend it. I guess to some extent it must just be in their head at this point that in the playoffs they can't kind of get that through their brains. I think one of the, the, the underrated things about this and, and people – you know, often talk about the Bucks defense in in sort of black and white terms, like they're just really aggressive and they trap, and you know, it, it they're like just this extreme thing. Um, but I, I think that sort of underrates the amount of variance in the Bucks coverages, and I think you know, and and again, they're not the only team like this because I think you know, again, pick and roll coverages are are always dependent a bit on you know how quickly they develop, where they happen on the court, the personnel involved on both sides. Um, but there was, I thought, a great example of it with Greg Monroe, who you know we talked about the other night, how Greg, ironically, is a guy who probably needs to be in some ways aggressive because he has good hands and he's not really going to do typically that well if he's just sort of dropping back because you know guys can just put him on skates and. Um, Tonight, you know, there was a situation where Tony Snell gets wiped out on a screen. He was guarding Lowry, but Monroe stayed with Lowry the whole way. Uh, Lowry drives baseline. Monroe blocks him. Lowry falls on the ground like, you know, an exasperated child or something. Uh, and then with the shot clock running down on the same possession, then um, Moose and, and Snell trapped DeMar DeRozan on the left side. Basically, Snell sort of ice, you know, they go to ice, sort of force the base, force the, the pick and roll towards the baseline. They trap. Um, they make one pass. Delhi is is at the you know basically gets to the sort of the outlet guy, which you know again that that's part of good defense, right? You know making sure that 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 first pass um, doesn't create you know a, a four on three easily. Uh, and then that guy passed to Lowry, who would have been open for a three, but it happened so late in the clock that uh, it was a shot clock violation. So that's kind of another. So that was like a true more of a trap. And then literally, I think a possession or two later, Moose comes way out on a DeMar DeRozan high screen and roll going to the right and literally strings him out all the way to basically like the coach's box uh, on the right sideline. And I think that that possession, actually, they pass it around and actually they did get Serge Ibaka for a dunk, which is, you know, again, the downside of, of bringing Monroe way out is that if you move the ball, you can you can beat it. But it I thought basically. it was interesting. <laughs> But I thought it was interesting because, you know, this the Bucks do different things. And Monroe's really the only guy that 
that they play, you know, especially when Toledovich isn't in the lineup like tonight. Monroe's the only guy who's like not super mobile for their position, right? Yeah. Um, and and so it, it just makes it so hard for you know a, a team whose bread and butter is the pick and roll to reliably create mismatches and you know really kind of bend the defense in in unnatural ways. And I think you know a lot of times when we've seen teams beat the way the Bucks play, it's because they're able to make sort of skip passes and and find that far corner um, over the top pass and. I don't know if I can recall the Raptors really even trying those kinds of passes reliably in no, this series. No. Um, and and we know that's how you can beat the Bucks. We know last year that's, you know, it was like teams kind of realized that. We saw it all the time. Um, but obviously, you know, it's a little bit harder when you have the personnel the Bucks have. When you've got, you know, again, uh, Thon Maker who can switch multiple positions at the five. Giannis can switch anything. Uh, you know, those are your, and those are your big guys. Uh, and then on top of that, you've got, you know, Tony Snell, Malcolm Brogdon, Chris Middleton, you know, off the bench, Del Vadova obviously is, is generally a, a heady defensive player. Um, and so you just, you just don't have those obvious weak links defensively that you can really exploit. And in a lot of ways, I think when Monroe plays well defensively, which I think for a large part he has in this series, um, it, it just, you know, if you can't exploit Monroe, um, yep. you're not going to exploit much on this team. And, and obviously tonight, again, the, the Raptors could not make shots and they couldn't make shots from anywhere. Um, and again, yeah, sure, like in game one, they'll normally make a lot more of these shots, but okay, then, you know, they lose by 15 instead of 27, <laughs> right? So, yeah. um, so anyway, I thought, you know, again, really encouraging defensive performance from the Bucks, And again, just, you know, a, a huge team effort and, um, you can't say enough about, I think, the, the big guys in particular and what they're doing on both ends. Greg Monroe, great offensive game, um, played well defensively. Thon Maker, again, you know, I mean, the consistency that Thon's been been bringing, he's had sort of some rough spots here and there, but um, the fact that he is making an impact in the playoffs as a rookie, uh, you know, I mean, our heads would have exploded if you told us that, you know, <laughs> last uh last june last july even when even when he was having that good summer league so i'll, I'll go to november you can tell me that in december yeah. you could tell me that in yeah. january my mind would have been blown yeah as a center too he's Crazy. playing center guys he's Crazy. playing center and and you know he valentunas got him a couple times uh today yeah but you know you can live with that because again it's what you know kind of like Giannis. you know a lot of it is what thon brings as a as as a team defender right and and that's sort of so much speaks to I think the way the league is evolving that, you know, it's not really about so much like, can you defend in isolation against a guy much bigger than you? You know, if you can do that, that's great. But, um, but it's really these team defenders who are becoming sort of the dominant defenders in the league and they take many shapes and sizes, you know, Draymond Green, Rudy Gobert, Giannis, um, guys who, you know, aren't just trying to lock down one guy, but, but are affecting, um, you know, multiple positions seemingly at all times. In the modern NBA, it just does not matter at all. Like, if you can shut a single guy down, it does not matter anymore at this point because teams move the ball so well that it just doesn't really matter. So, yeah, um, I, I wish I, I would have got the microphone, or I guess I wish Jason would have given a little bit more on just how far those two have come defensively um, because uh, – at this point, I think it's probably the story of the series is that Greg Monroe, who coming into this into this season seemed hopeless in the Bucks scheme. Like I, I think that's 
pretty close to accurate. Uh, uh, what What do you think? Do you think that's an accurate description? Hopeless for Greg Monroe that they were just uh, asking him to do things that there was just no chance he's gonna be able to do. Ill suited, maybe would be a more diplomatic way to put it. Okay. Um, so, but either way, so going into the season, he's ill suited for his role defensively, and now he's getting steals all the time. He's actively going out to that was legit legitimately the coach's box uh, that play you're talking about with DeRozan and then he still managed like he wasn't the one that screwed up that play like he got back to where he needed to be um and and he was just incredible and it's kind of funny I I was talking to Alex Boder about it after the game but when when you're not decisive I guess let's call it in the hole that when you first make that turn if you're not decisive against Greg Monroe you're going to lose because he he's just gotten so good at having active hands, at being big, and at tracking guys as they go sideways. And, and it feels like so much with Lowry and DeRozan, rather than going downhill, they're going sideways. And, and, and I think the times where you see people really exploit Greg Monroe is they take that first dribble around the pick and roll, and then it's a split. Like if you can do that consistently, and I think to some of the games against John Wall, Isaiah Thomas has done it at times, if you're splitting that pick and roll when Greg Monroe's out there, you're going to feast. You're going to get into the lane all the time. You're going to have that kick to the corner. It's all there for you. But if you dilly-dally, if you if you hesitate in the hole, he's just going to stretch you out. And at that point, then the Bucks have all their time that they need to recover to whoever you're going to pass it to at that point. And like everything just works. And I guess maybe that's the same way as your, as your soccer, as your soccer goalkeeper. Like you have to be decisive when the goalie comes out, you have to be decisive. And if you wait too long, he'll stretch you out and then the defense can recover. And it's very similar in that way. And this series, it, Game two, I thought they did a better job of that. But games one and three, they just seem to have no interest. But So that's one. And now Thon Maker, I think the hope was what we've seen from Thon Maker in various stretches in this series, we would see three years from now, four years from now. I, I don't even know what the timeline <laughs> would be to for me to properly imagine in June or July – what I thought Thon could do. Because uh, obviously I, I think both of us mentioned early on the foot speed is awesome. Being able to keep up with guards is very is very cool. Um, his length is great. He'll probably figure out how to block some shots. And I think all of us were thinking, okay, next year or this year maybe he'll add a little bit of that. Next year he'll add a little bit more. Then maybe by the third year he'll figure out how to get the blocks from the backside. Like this is going to go in a somewhat linear process. You're going to see things just go step by step by step. And what happened? In seemingly a month he's just picked up an insane number of advanced defensive skills for a modern day NBA center. And like you said, there's still times where he gets out muscled and he he gives up some shots near the near the rim. He gets pushed away from the rim, he gets put under the rim. But man, how much do I care about that? I I, I don't really. Like if that's how you're going to try to beat me with a big man being stronger than Thon, I think the Bucks are going to live with that pretty much every day of the week and I think you can say the same thing about Thon offensively. Like he he put a baka under the rim tonight. 
in, in, yeah, the, that, in the first, what was that, three minutes, four minutes? Like, that is something, again, this entire season I've talked about how when he was shooting threes, okay, that's cool, that's great. Like, it's great that it's a, it's a real skill. It's it's something that he can do. But I, I was saying the, the stuff that really excites me is when he catches the ball in traffic in the lane and he's able to go up strong with it. And in game two, there was a bunch of sequences where – he got those passes in the lane, and he would get stripped, or he'd get bumped out, or uh, he'd put it a little bit short. And tonight, one possession, he comes in and just throws one on Abaka as he's rolling down the lane, which, again, there was always the questions about his hands, about how functional his agility and athleticism was. Certainly looked plenty functional there. Uh, and then even later into that first quarter, I think he catches against Valanchunas, and then was it even a lefty hook that he finished? Maybe it was a righty, but I, I almost it think was it was a righty. Yeah. Uh, so he puts in that righty hook against Valanciunas, and again, you're just seeing all these things that I was hoping I was going to see in two years, three years, four years. And and again, it just seems like so much of this stuff with Thon has, has come overnight, and man, it, it, he is a special, he, he's a special player. And if you're trying to figure out ways for the Bucks to add a top-level talent, which I think we were um, when things weren't going so well in the month of February, like, okay, well, do you start tanking? And uh, maybe you should sell off some of these pieces. The Bucks go in the opposite direction. And, uh, I mean, Thon's the kind of guy that can change the trajectory of a team. Like, like with the way he's playing right now, and again, Still, there's sample size questions and all of the above, but I don't know. It's been a month, and he's been doing a lot of very different things, and he seems to keep adding things. Like He seems like a special player. Yeah, I mean, uh, we talked about last summer that you know my, my big point around Thon was they really needed him to be good. You know, We talked a fair bit about the fact that the Bucks didn't project to have a lot of cap flexibility over the next couple summers. Yep. And, you know, obviously part of the theory there was was the assumption that Jabari was also going to be getting a, you know, a max ish contract. And, you know, who knows sort of how how that'll evolve. But um but, you know, with the fact that they're they're not gonna, you know, didn't wouldn't aren't likely to have, you know, much much cap flexibility, even if Greg Monroe opts out. Um and you know, again, it didn't look like they were going to be picking in the top five of the draft. Obviously, last summer, you figured they would, you know, probably be late lottery or, you know, again, if they were going to make the playoffs and they'd be kind of middle first round. Um, they needed this this pick to go well, right? I mean, they they really needed yeah. that pick to hit because, again, the, this team has sort of had been evolving in a way that um, it was a lot of role players being prep, being paid like pretty good role players plus you know, Giannis being paid like maybe not a superstar, but a star. And Chris is, you know, still very underpaid. But, you know, again, he's not on a rookie contract. So you needed to have a, a bargain somewhere on the, on the on the roster. And, you know, little did we know on draft night that they would have two huge bargains in both Maker and Brogdon. <laughs> and, you know, um, uh, looking at this roster, I mean, we have two rookies starting for this team right now. Yeah. Like th- this team is impressing and is, you know, one of the stories of the playoffs. And it's not just that Giannis is amazing, although he is, it's not just that you have Giannis and Chris, you have two rookies doing this along with them. And, and it, the, the Toronto Raptors are frustrated and 
you know, we saw tonight the Bucks showed composure. The Bucks looked like the more mature team. The Raptors were lashing out. It got chippy. The Raptors were frustrated. They, I don't know if they were trying to goad the Bucks into some something. Oh, they were. But um, the Bucks weren't having in it. You know, Ibaka and Giannis got kind of tied up on a on a free throw. The, Giannis just walked away. The you know? crazy part but, was after the game, I asked that they had Giannis, Chris, and Greg up at the podium, and I asked those three about it, and Giannis was the one that took the question. And Giannis answered it like you would think a 10-year veteran would and mentioned how they're just disciplined and they just got to worry about their team and they got to worry about, you know, just worry about themselves. And it was like, come on, you're 22. Like, you, you can say something other than that. Like that does, you don't have to give me that answer. But it, it, it just – it was kind of – to me it was startling that at no point that – did they go down to the Raptors level? Cause uh, I thought there was parts throughout the entire night where they were trying to get the bucks fired up. Um, I, I thought for a while um, I tweeted it out and people were curious what I meant by it, but I said Lowry is doing his best deli impression tonight. And what I meant by it was off ball on screens, defensively, like there was just shenanigans. It's all it was like, and you're Kyle Lowry. You're an all-star. Like, what are you doing? Like, there's a there's a reason Delhi does that stuff because that's how he stays in the league. You're an all-star. What, why are you doing that? You are better than that. And it, it just did not seem like the Raptors were tonight. They, they did not seem like a team that had all-stars on it. They did not seem like a team that won 50 games. They, they very much seemed like punk young kids that were trying to figure it out and be scrappy in the playoffs while the bucks were the the calm composed team that just knew how to take care of business like totally flipped exactly what you would think totally flipped with these two teams and i I don't know it it, it's just been a strange experience certainly tonight watching in person um and but even if i was watching on tv being able to watch that in milwaukee and see them play with that kind of maturity and discipline like it's just kind of strange to see after the crazy ups and downs this team has been through this season yeah interesting i mean we uh, wanted to add on the thon question um you know the, i think the big question with thon and you know certainly like we we wondered if if they would try to use valentunas to really kind of go at thon in the post and you know we haven't seen a whole lot of that you know again valentunas has had kind of a few moments here and there he did have a nice kind of up and under dunk early on thon um, but you know, never to the point where you felt like Thon was not helping the Bucks more than Valanciunas was yeah. the Raptors, you know. And I think a big key of this is, has been on the boards. You know, I'm looking at the Bucks stats for the series right now. Every Bucks regular rotation player, the 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 Bucks have, um, w- w- you know, there, there's basically no Bucks rotation player who, when they're on the court, the Bucks have gotten less than 80% of defensive rebounds that are available. And that's that's good. That's very good. They, they were probably about 5% worse during the regular season. And you thought, you know, with Valanciunas and, you know, again, um, th- that that could be an issue for the Bucks uh, giving up offensive rebounds, especially with Thon not being a great defensive rebounder at this stage of his career. Um, but again, it's all about what the team does, right? And uh, with Thon on the court, they've gotten 81% of available defensive rebounds, which is really good. And, you know, not surprising, you look at the net ratings of, of all the Bucks' key players. Giannis plus 21.1. I think they're minus 15 when he's off the court. Um, 
Tony Snell, plus 27.6 points per 100. Uh, offensive rating with Tony Snell on the court of 123, defensive rating 95. Um, every Bucks regular rotation guy has a defensive rating of uh, under 100. Beasley's at 99.7. Everybody else is 97 or lower. Um, so, again, you know, and whatever. It's it's three games. So it, there's no – this is just descriptive, right? This isn't to say that this will just last forever and, yeah. you know, the Bucks will just dominate the Raptors for, for the rest of time. But, um, but I think we are getting to that tipping point in the series where – you know the Raptors now are. I, I have to think are seriously questioning their ability to to compete and and beat maybe not compete but to beat uh, this Bucks team and and I don't think they ever thought that that they would be in that position. But um, you know at this point you look at the I mentioned yesterday the the likelihood of the Bucks winning this series. The Bucks are now up to sixty three percent in terms of the 538 probabilistic model of advancing to the next round of the playoffs. And that's um, crazy. That's pretty, those are pretty heady odds, you know, and that's also not factoring in just sort of how bad <laughs> some of the intangible stuff about how the bad the, the Raptors have looked and how far away they look from the team that we got used to seeing um, in the regular season over the last couple of years. So um, so I don't know. And it's kind of one, interesting. You know, we mentioned in the lead up to the series that as much as the Raptors have owned the Bucks over the last few years, um, this is a different Raptors team and they don't have the shooting that they've had in the past. And I just can't help but but think that if the Bucks do win this series, that, that we will look back and say the Raptors just didn't have enough shooting and that they just couldn't really make the Bucks pay enough for, you know, and, and they honestly, they just, as you were alluding to, they just didn't stylistically have the mindset to go find those open shots yeah. in a way that, um, you know, to beat the Bucks, I think you have to do. So, um, so yeah, uh, bring on Saturday. That I guess that's, that's, that's the bottom line. And, and again, you know, I think there's always a possibility of a letdown, but um, but I think what you saw tonight, I mean, every 50-50 ball seemed to go to the Bucks. Um, they they just seemed so locked in, and they were able to channel that in such a productive way on both ends that um, it was really just a, a pleasure to watch. And I, I I imagine the the Raptors have to be very concerned at this point that they they have seen it now for three games and they just don't really have a reliable answer for what the Bucks are doing, um, which is is pretty exciting to say if you're a Bucks fan. And, you know, it's it's exciting. It's a little bit nerve-wracking now as well because now it's suddenly it's like, oh, crap, Bucks, the Bucks kind of need to win this series, right? Yeah. And, and, and it's funny because as we got ready for this game, I said, okay, I, I think the the Raptors are, are kind of out of adjustments and it looks like the adjustments they they made paid off and – They've they've kind of figured out how to attack the Bucks defensively. They they have a better understanding of how to do it offensively. And nope, didn't learn any lessons. They went right back to game one, and um, that was kind of the result we saw. Um, I guess we're going to do this as we record right now, Frank. But what are what are we doing for a, for a schedule here? Um, we we have game. We have our next game on Saturday. Normally, we don't record on Fridays. Are we going to record a preview, um, or do we want to do some of that now, or what do you think? Well, I'm going to be getting on a plane tomorrow at 5 o'clock Central Time, flying through 
Detroit, I think, to get to Milwaukee, and I'm getting in at like 10 o'clock or something like that. So, so that's a no. So 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 I would say uh, I would say I probably will not have time tomorrow. Okay, but you're damn right. I'm going to report record a podcast with you after the game on Saturday, and I don't know. We could maybe even I don't know. Should we try to do it in person or something? Should we oh. try to do a, a post game pod in person? I don't know. I guess I'd have to wait around afterwards to, to you find would, you. After you would the game. have to do some waiting. Yeah. Yeah, you know. Hopefully hopefully there'll be so there'll be some celebration, but um I'm I'm a, I'm afraid even allude, to even allude yeah, to that possibility. Same, same. So. Um all right, Any, anything I guess since we're going to tr- just try to do this real quick. Um anything going into game 3 that you think other than it doesn't seem like the Raptors really have any answers? Um I thought one of the most interesting stats in this game was that Toronto had a 19 to 6 advantage in fast break points. <laughs> like yeah. isn't that isn't that just a, a one of the most counterintuitive stats you can think of from this game? Um I, it's kind of funny. I mean I I say again like we said after game 1 I I don't think that the Raptors are going to consistently shoot as poorly as they did tonight. Um but by the same token, that might be one thing that that could go back the Bucks way because uh you know and I think you have to give the Bucks credit because I thought the defense they had on Giannis was entirely respectable. Um, part of it, I think, was also Giannis in the middle quarters just kind of wasn't really looking to necessarily get his. Um, and, you know, he went, uh, we, you know, I think I tweeted, he went about 17 or 18 minutes of game action without recording a point steal or a point rebound or assist, which was pretty weird. Um, and then he kind of turned it on again a little bit there in uh, in the end of the fourth and or end of the third and start of the fourth quarter. Unfortunately, struggled from the foul line again um and and i think okay. we need to re- we got we got more i think we have more listeners now than the first time i did this bucks fans stop doing mvp <laughs> chance when Giannis is at the line right now stop it stop it he doesn't shoot well when you do it i swear to you he's got to be shooting 30 percent from the line when you do mvp uh-huh. chance so stop it just stop it. I know you want to show him love. I know that you very much appreciate all of his contributions, but freaking stop it. He does not like it. When we need to we need to get like really quick MVP chance going like after he dunks or something like that. That's it. Um I swear the Bucks should have like the Aaron Hills is right down the road. Get some of those quiet golf signs to hold up and like as soon as someone starts an MVP chant, people courtside just put up the quiet sign. Nope, we are not doing that. You're not chanting MVP while he's at the free throw line because it will only go poorly. (sighs) (laughs) Well, thankfully, he did hit his last two free throws tonight. I think there may have been like some very half-hearted MVP chants during those. Um, (laughs) So he ended up three out of eight from the foul line. Um, Still, I mean, a a pretty efficient night. 19 points on only 10 shots from the field. Eight boards, four assists, two steals, two blocks. Did have three turnovers, plus 29. A game-high plus 29 which was great to see and I think reflective of um, the type of game he had. And he only needed to play 33 minutes. So um, only only two bucks went over 30 minutes tonight, which was nice to see. And um, again, hopefully uh, hopefully that leads to uh, a similarly energetic performance uh, on Saturday. Frank, we haven't seen the Giannis game yet. We have not seen the Giannis game yet. Like, I, wa- I, think, I hope he's saving it for when I'm in attendance. <laughs> that would be very nice of him. Um but yeah, I mean, like you said, I just remember looking and seeing he had like ten three and three at, at somewhere around the start of the second quarter, and then all of a sudden I was getting my like tweet ready for halftime about like stats, and I was like, 
wait a second. I don't think Giannis has done anything in a while. Like, I don't think he's had any points, rebounds, or assists. And, yeah, and, and the lead just kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And, and just a just an insane night. Uh, again, uh, I didn't think I was going to see one boat race in this series. I saw two. Um, so that was that was interesting, wild, a whole a whole mess of fun. Um, we'll see what I'm up to tomorrow. Maybe I'll record a preview pod by myself solo, but also maybe I won't. Um, so we'll see. And I, I think as long as Frank's good, I, I think that's going to be it for us. Unlocked on Bucks today for Frank Madden. I've been Eric. Name the Bucks win one hundred four seventy seven take a 2-1 lead in their first round series against the Toronto Raptors. And we will break it down. We're going to break, excuse me. Oh, hey, hey, before we go, I don't, did, did we talk about Beasley much? Because we talked about Beasley, that being an obvious adjustment of bringing Beasley in because Kladovich had struggled no. and Beasley's mobility could, could work well against, especially a lot of the switching, obviously you might want to do against the Raptors. And, I love Michael Beasley not being bashful on catch and shoot threes tonight. That really made my day. And the fact that he had that like ceiling scratching moonshot three from the corner in the fourth what was a fourth quarter. That, yeah, that only just really... Beasley shoots it like that. Like he's just cocky enough, reckless enough that you know what? We're up by a bunch. I'm gonna put this thing on the ceiling <laughs> and have it drop through. And of course it went in. It was glorious. That was that was nice to see. So shout out to Bees. Um, uh, we definitely... we nailed our two adjustments, Frank. We said Beasley instead of Toledovich, and we said no Spencer Hawes, and both of them were implemented. Yeah, and we weren't. I, I was curious. I really thought John Henson might get some garbage time minutes tonight, but um, but alas, he did not. And um, Jesus Christ, Rashad Vaughn hit two threes in garbage time. I mean, <laughs> that's that's the kind of night it was. Rashad Vaughn hitting like afterthought. Shot clock running down, twenty-eight foot threes to uh, to cap the win tonight. And um, man, you know that that gif of 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 Thon and Rashad dancing like mm-hmm. in the in the locker room. That that's like basically the the way this night <laughs> night went. Like it's like oh, I got to be game face, and then everybody's dancing, baby. Yeah, that that was uh, that was quite a bit of fun. That's gonna be it. We'll see you after game four, um, unless I'm feeling. Like, like I need to hop on. But since we hit Beasley, that was the one kind of thing I was thinking that we needed to hit on. So I think we'll be good. Uh, we'll talk to you after game four on Saturday. We'll figure out how we're going to record that. Saturday afternoon, that is a 2 o'clock start, um, which also happens to play in the Bucks' favor. Like, the, the Raptors have a lot of adjustments and a lot of things that they could try to do, um, but they don't have a whole lot of time to do it. Um, granted, it's an off day. It's not a back-to-back or anything, but that's that's a pretty quick uh, turnaround to lose tonight, say, around 10, and then have to play 36 hours later, 30, 40 hours later, whatever it may be. So um, we'll see if the Bucks can take advantage. We'll talk to you after game four. This has been Locked On Bucks. We will talk to you after the game. Napa it takes a lot to get excited about a bag, but most bags can't save you 20% on auto parts. That's 20% off headlamps, 20% off oil filters, 20% off virtually anything you can fit inside the 99-cent Napa reusable bag. So tell your buddies, there's a bag they just have to check out. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa auto parts stores while supplies last. Minimum three items. Exclusions apply. Offer ends 10 17